I want to start by painting a picture for you. You've just graduated. You nailed your first job interview. You negotiated. Yay, go you. And you're officially in your first job out of school. Maybe it's your dream job. Maybe it's a job that you just see yourself in for a few years. But either way, you're in that first job out of school and you're so excited. Now, fast forward about two weeks. It's a Friday and you've got your first paycheck. Well, probably direct deposit because that's what most people do. (laughs) So you've got your first paycheck in your bank account. So you pay your bills, of course, right? You maybe treat yourself to dinner. You buy a new outfit. You go to Target or Home Goods, TJ Maxx. You pay the minimum payment required on your student loans and you put the rest in savings. This is what most new graduates assume is what we call successful money management. But this plan really fails to address some really important things, such as how to prevent your student loan balance from actually increasing without you knowing it, how to set yourself up to comfortably retire. I know, retirement seems so far away, but it's so important to have a plan. And it fails to address how to avoid falling into this cycle of living paycheck to paycheck, which so many Americans are in. See, the first few months after graduation is really a critical time to establish good money practices. But how do you do this when you were never taught how? Despite being in the educational system for, gosh, 10 plus years, well over a decade. When I graduated and I started getting paid, I was really excited, of course, but I remember I so badly wanted to do the right thing with that money because I'd worked so hard for it, but I didn't know where or how really to start. I didn't grow up having conversations about money and the people who usually dominate the conversation seemed really out of touch and if I'm being honest, unrelatable. I often felt left out of the financial conversation and maybe you feel the same way. It almost just felt like everyone else around me just got it. They were thriving. And if I'm being honest, it kind of felt like school failed me. I'm saying all this to say I completely understand. I know what it's like to feel so incredibly overwhelmed that you kind of just shut down instead. But I'm here to tell you there's another way, a better way. So in today's show, I'm sharing exactly the steps to take if you have that desire to just feel like you know what the heck you're doing with your money and you want to just have the very basics covered. If I was starting all over again today, right now, this is step by step exactly what I do. This is going to be an action packed episode. So I hope you're ready to take some notes. They say money makes the world go round, but when it comes to navigating the financial side of adulting, they kinda left us hanging. If you've ever caught yourself saying, why the heck didn't we learn any of this in school, then friend, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Miracle Money Podcast, a space dedicated to having the real, open, and honest conversations about money and finance that we never had in school, but we should've. I'm your host, Amira Kondali. I'm a pediatric occupational therapist turned personal finance enthusiast. And I'm here to help you manage your money with less stress, more joy, and a whole lot of confidence. Let's jump in. If you've stepped foot into the personal finance world, honestly, just dipped your toe in, 
then you know that there's so much information out there that it's hard not to feel completely overwhelmed. Do you tackle your debt? Do you learn to invest? What does investing even mean? Do you save up? Where do you save the money? How much do you save? You just don't know where to start, and that's how I felt too. But the truth is that where you start or even how you start is not nearly as important as when you start. That being said, for those of you who are like, okay, no girl, Amira, just like tell me exactly where to start. I got you. So I've got five steps for you in this episode. So let's start with the very first step. Have you ever heard the saying, you can't know where you're going until you know where you've already been? Okay, honestly, I've, I'm like pretty sure I heard that in the movie Cars now that I think about it. <laughs> But anyways, it seriously holds true. I mean, I hear so many people saying you should start by, you know, setting your financial goals. And while yes, you need your goals, right, to know where you're going with your money, I firmly believe that you also have to review your past and current situation. Now, I'll stop and pause here and say that personal finance is personal. At this point, even though this is only the fourth episode, I don't really know what I've said in the past episodes, but if I've never said that before, Personal finance is personal, so I'm going to share exactly the things that have worked for me and, you know, have worked with, gosh, the hundreds at this point, people that I've coached and that I've talked to about this kind of stuff. So, but the bottom line is that it is very personal. So this isn't, you know, set in stone exactly. But to me, I firmly, like I said, believe that you have to just start by reviewing your past, and your current situation even before you kind of start setting some goals for yourself. So that being said, your, you know, your first kind of step here is to really sit down and review your current financial status. Now, what I will say about this is this is often the hardest part because this is where you're going to realize that maybe you have a lot of work to do. Maybe you're in a lot more debt than you thought you were in, Maybe you are spending a lot more money per month than you thought you were, but it's so important to face this stuff head on, and this is really how you start. So the first thing I always recommend and something that I started was start really simple, right? Just start by tracking your monthly expenses. I'd say for at least, you know, one to two months so you can really find a pattern, not just for like, you know, a few days, a few weeks, but at least one to two months so that you can start to find a pattern. You just want to know how much money is going out per month and where it's going, why it's going. So there's a lot of different apps and things that you can use. So my favorite that I use all the time is Mint, M-I-N-T, like peppermint. So, and all this will be linked to in the show notes, but I really like to use Mint because even if you don't use anything else in the app, you can link your bank accounts and see what's going where, and they categorize it really nicely. So you want to find that pattern of, like I said, how much money is going out per month? Where is it going? And these are really simple things, right? Like your major bills, gas, car note, but they can also be really helpful in pinpointing maybe where you don't realize money that's going out. So I see this a lot with like subscriptions. My gosh, I had so many subscriptions. I think at one point I was paying like $70 a month in just random apps that I don't even use anymore. So subscriptions, really, really important to keep an eye on those. But I highly recommend using 
you can either use an app or you could also just comb through your bank statements. That's kind of the old school way of doing things, but whatever works. I just want you to start. So number one on this first step of reviewing your current financial status is tracking your monthly expenses. You just want to know how much money is going out. And you can do this before you start working, of course, because the flip side of this is how much money are you bringing in? So once you start tracking your expenses, you can also start tracking your income once you get a job. So if you don't have a job yet, that's totally okay. Just start tracking your expenses. If you do have a job, you're going to start tracking your income. Now, the other thing with this is you would want to know, or I mean, this is something you should already know, but if if your income is steady, like it's predictable per month, or is it variable? Now, salary positions, you likely always know how much you're bringing in per month, but positions like well, for me, an early intervention or home health, anything where you're hourly, that might be a little bit more variable. So again, you want to track that for, you know, a couple paycheck cycles so that you can kind of get an idea of what's the average amount of money that you bring in. So when it comes to your, you know, current financial status, those two factors, your expenses and then your income are really, really important. So what is you know, the average amount that's going out per month, and then what is the average amount that's coming in per month. You also want to know what accounts do you currently have open? So do you have a checking account? Do you have a savings account? Do you have maybe a high yield savings account, which we'll talk about in step two, but just knowing what accounts you currently have open. Again, this is, this is just tracking and this is just review. So not too much to do here with this first step. It's just kind of getting I guess the lay of the land, so to speak. You just want to get an idea of kind of where you are. So knowing which accounts you have open. And, you know, for some people, they, like me, I only banked with Bank of America when I first started. And this is by no means a plug for Bank of America because I can't like, I don't know. I don't want to vouch, you know, for one bank in particular, but I'm just sharing the bank that I had open. So this is not to say go cancel whatever you have in Open Bank of America. Not saying that at all. I will tell you if I have a specific recommendations, but I just got off on a tangent. <laughs> so making sure that you know, you know, what account you have open. So like I said, I only have Bank of America, so that was easy, but I have, you know, coached people who have several bank accounts across several different banks, you know, different checking, different savings accounts. So again, just putting that all out in front of you. And I honestly just can't recommend enough some type of financial tracker, you know, app or something like that, because it does make it a lot easier for you to, you know, do step number one, which is reviewing your current financial status and doing it pretty quickly. So if you're ready to get started, start there. And honestly, like that's really all you have to focus on for a hot second, because I really want you, like I said, to find that pattern. What is the average that you're bringing in and what is the average that is going out? That's going to be so important as you move forward with the rest of these steps. Now, step number two is really, really important, but I mean, all of the steps are important, but this one is important in particular for those of you who maybe feel anxious when it comes to money or you don't feel like you have the strongest relationship. And honestly, I was the same exact way. I very much had that scarcity mindset where it's like money just goes out and out and out and it's so scarce. It's so hard to come by. Like I was a thousand percent there. You know, you'll hear a lot of people in the in the finance were talking about scarcity versus abundance mindset and I was a thousand percent scarcity mindset. So if you relate to that, this step is super, super important. So step number two is to prioritize and focus on building your emergency fund. 
I think this concept of saving money is something that many of us are familiar with. You know, it's like, if you don't really know what to do with your money, just save it. And honestly, that's like the best thing that you can do. It's better to at least save the money and then figure out what to do with it later versus like spending it all. So when it comes to saving money and particularly building your emergency fund, this is important because you never know what's going to happen, right? I mean, 2020 taught us so many lessons and I think that was a big one that life is truly unpredictable and you just never know what is waiting around the corner you know hopefully prayerfully you never have a severe emergency but the fact of the matter is that's life right emergencies happen and you never want to be in a position where you can't afford to financially take care of that emergency whether it's your car breaking down or you know if you're in a house something going out and you really need it to be fixed or like plumbing issues or you know there's just things that happen and they can severely impact our day-to-day activities so going forward you know when you're trying to get your finances together having an emergency fund to me is having peace of mind that no matter what, my basic living expenses will be covered. You know, I will be able to replace the tire on my car, which I've actually had to do before. So thankful that I had an emergency fund to pull from. And the reason why is because you don't want it to fall onto your shoulders as far as, okay, I just got paid and now my entire paycheck has to go to covering whatever this emergency is that popped up. Now this is kind of an extreme example but being laid off or being fired you know suddenly from your job you want to make sure that you always have that emergency fund built up to cover your basic life expenses and when I say basic I mean very basic like bare bones basic think rent groceries gas car car insurance just those really basic things that you need to survive So the rule of thumb here when it comes to building your emergency fund is three to six months of living expenses. Now, I, when I first started out, my emergency fund was a little bit more padded. I had about a nine month emergency fund and I will say I'm actually really glad I did because when I started this whole financial journey, it was actually in 2020. So what I didn't know was that life was about to get very unpredictable and so I'm glad I did, but you and you can't necessarily save like there's no perfect amount right but this again this is the rule of thumb so you know if you do a little bit less or a little bit more like it's fine but the rule of thumb if you're looking for something concrete to start with it's three to six months of living expenses again mine was a little extra padded now my word of caution would be not to have too much money just sitting in a bank account because that's the other thing with an emergency fund it should be easily accessible. So we're not talking investing, we're not talking Bitcoin or crypto, like the the money that you need, when you need it, you got to pull it out, no penalties. That's where this emergency fund is going to go. And I'm going to talk about exactly which account in a second. So your emergency fund needs to be easily accessible so that you can get your money as soon as you need it. Now, the reason I say I would caution against having just too much sitting into a bank account which is where your emergency fund would be is because at a certain point your money is just not working for you in a bank account i mean 
the interest is just so low that you want to be really putting your money to work. So having, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars just sitting in a bank account, you wouldn't hear many personal finance, you know, coaches or educators, whatever you want to call us, you won't hear many people saying like to do that. So three to six months is, I would say, where most people fall. But again, if you want a little extra padding, that's okay. My, again, personal finance is personal, but my recommendation is no more than 12 months. I think 12 months, a 12 month, a 12 month emergency fund is very, very healthy and you're going to feel really, you know, really stable with that. But anything more than that, that's when you're going to start thinking about investing and just ways for your money to be really working for you. I mentioned you want to make sure that you keep your money somewhere that is accessible, meaning you can easily have access to it, you know, quickly without a headache, without a hassle, no penalties, anything like that. So I recommend keeping your emergency fund in particular in a high yield savings account. Now a high yield savings account is just as safe and just as accessible as your traditional savings account. The difference is just that the high yield savings accounts have much higher interest rates. So what that means is that your money will basically earn more over time. Now just to give you some real numbers, you can I'll link this in the show notes, but this is a savings interest calculator. So let's say you have a ten thousand dollar deposit If you put that in a bank like Bank of America that has a roughly 0.04% APY, which is basically the interest rate per year, it'll earn you about $4 for the year. Now with Chase Bank, theirs is about 0.02%, so you'd earn $2. With Wells Fargo, it's about 0.15%, you'd earn $15. Now with uh, the national average for a high yield savings account, is roughly 0.4% APY. And this was a few years ago. I think mine was at 0.5%. And so that would have earned me, you know, $40 on that ten on that $10,000 if it was a 0.4%. I know that I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you. Promise I'm going to link it in the show notes. So as you can see there, we've got what, $2, $4, $15, dollars $40 now if we're in a high yield savings account. And now the really cool thing is that the high yield savings accounts are earning even higher because the APY, at least where I am with Marcus by Goldman Sachs, it is 4.15%, which means that $10,000 would earn me about $415 in interest for the year. So as you can see, and again, I'm going to link this so that you can like play around with it yourself, but the whole point is that you are able to significantly earn more. So again, just quick little recap. If I have $10,000 in an account, in Bank of America savings account, it would have earned me $4 for the year. Marcus by Goldman Sachs, which is who I have now, would earn me $415. So we're talking a significant difference. So that's why the high yield savings accounts are just so great because when you are able to put that money aside, and again, you're not touching it, right? Because it's your emergency fund. So you're able to just earn more on top of that in a very safe way. So it's not investing, it is just letting your money grow over time. Now, I spent so much on that second step because again, having that emergency fund is really having peace of mind as you go through the next steps. So definitely prioritize building your emergency fund and I don't even have time to go into like all of the <laughs> nitty gritty details when it comes to saving money and all of that. That'll just have to be another episode. I just wanted to give you a quick overview for this episode, but 
Basically, in order to fully fund your emergency fund, here is what you do. So if you're taking notes, make sure you write this down too. So you're going to start by just tracking your monthly expenses and your income, of course, so you know what money is coming in and what money is going out. And then, you know, you're going to open your high yield savings account and I'll link some of like my favorites in the show notes. And again, the reason you're going to do that is because it earns more interest than the traditional savings account. So making your money work for you, that's the key. And then you simply set aside money from, you know, your income source until you've reached your savings goal of whatever the three to six month, if that's the range that you're going to work with. You know, if you want to just start with three months, that's perfect. If you want to go all the way up to six months, totally up to you. So, you know, you get your paycheck and you're going to take however much uh, money out, you know, your set, your set amount that you've decided to work towards. And that is how you're going to fully fund that account. And, you know, you want to get that done as quickly as possible so that you can move on to all of the other fun finance stuff. (laughs) So prioritize absolutely that emergency fund because once again, your emergency fund really equals peace of mind. All right. So we've covered step one, which is to review your current financial status. Step two is all about building your emergency fund. Now, these next few steps, I will not spend as much time on, but the emergency fund is just really important with all of this. So that's why I wanted to spend so much time on it. So step number three, moving on, you are going to create your debt payoff plan and it doesn't have to be, you know, super um, intricate. It's just your bare bones debt payoff plan. Now, this is mostly going to apply to those of you with student loan debt, because I know the majority (laughs) of my friends listening are in student loan debt, but this also applies, of course, to credit card debt. So what you want to know is, and again, this is just things that, you know, you're writing down. So you want to know what is your current debt amount? You want to know the type of debt. So is it credit card? Is it student loan? Those are kind of the, the two big ones. If they are student loans, you know, understanding are they subsidized versus unsubsidized? Are they federal versus, you know, private? All of that good stuff, which I'm pretty sure I touched on in those first two episodes where I talked all about student loans. So knowing the type of debt that you're in, interest rate is going to be really, really important. So what is the interest rate per year? And then what are your repayment terms? So typically when you take out a loan, you receive, you know, a document that'll tell you what's your interest rate. And then, you know, are you on for like loans 10 years or 20 years or you know how how long do you have um, until you need to have the loan paid off and then also your minimum monthly payment so the minimum here is really what i want you to pay attention to what is the minimum and this is across the board whether it's student loan debt or credit card debt what is the minimum needed to pay so typically again you'll get that document you'll get your statement and it'll tell you what is your minimum that you need to pay on the debt Now, the reason this is so important to pay attention to is because if you heard earlier, I said, you know, your student loan balance can secretly increase without you knowing this is why. And that's the same with credit card debt. Um, Credit card debt is, my gosh, a beast in and of itself. (laughs) So credit card debt, you know, can really snowball because those interest rates are significantly higher, even higher than, you know, student loan debt. So understanding what is the minimum needed so that that doesn't increase, because if you don't pay the minimum that they're telling you to pay then typically you know you'll get late fees or like you'll get more money added onto your balance and then that'll just snowball so you want to make sure that you know what is the minimum needed to pay on your debt 
that's really it here. That's all I want you to focus on. Again, we're talking the very first steps to just feeling like you know what you're doing. So what is the current debt that you have? And then how much is the minimum that you need to pay? Now, what I will say with student loans, and of course, we're in the student loans freeze right now, but well, it's ending soon. So we've heard. So we'll see if it actually ends. But anyways, so right now, of course, student loan payments are not due and it's a 0% interest rate. But I just want you to just be in that habit of knowing, you know, when and if the freeze does end, you want to know what is the minimum needed to pay. But again, you want to know, does that minimum is that minimum covering what it needs to cover so that the balance doesn't increase? So again, I talked a lot about student loans in those first two episodes, so I'm pretty positive that I covered that. So if you haven't already, go back and check those out. But for this step, step number three for creating your debt payoff plan, I just want you to have everything out in front of you and know what your minimums need to be, at least so the balance doesn't increase on any of your loans. Now, step number four is one that I will admit it's kind of hard to focus on because, okay, let me tell you the step first. So step number four is to start thinking about retirement. And I know that when I say the word retirement, if you are a 20 something or even 30 something, you are probably like, do I really need to think about retirement? And I was the same way, right? But you do. And and, oh gosh, again, I know I always say this, like, this is going to be another episode, but retirement's really going to be another episode because I think it's so important that we think about our future selves, right? Like I love 20 something Amira. I'm going to love 30 something Amira, but I don't want to forget about 60 and 70 and 80 year old Amira because like, I want her to still have a comfortable life. So if you remember at the beginning of the episode, I talked about how, you know, if you have this money management plan, but you don't quite know what you're doing it can be tough because you're not thinking about, you know, how to set yourself up to comfortably retire. So step number four is to think about retirement, but specifically what I want you to do is get information about the employer sponsored retirement plan. Just get the information. (laughs) That is it. So who is the account through? Is there matching offered? And again, I promise I will talk so much more about this in a future episode, but for now, I just want you to have this information. So is there matching offered? Typically, this will be like, oh, my employer matches 2% or 3%. Even if you have no idea what the heck that means, just write it down for me and we'll come back to it, all right? (laughs) So is there a match offered? Is there a vesting period? Again, you don't have to know exactly what this means. I just want you to ask the question. Typically, you can ask HR if, you know, if you're not entirely sure what your benefit package looks like, you can usually get some information from HR. So you want to know, again, who the account is through, is matching offered, is there a vesting period? And this one is also super important. What happens if there is a match? What happens to the money matched if you were to leave the job, you know, relatively soon after starting. So step number four is just focusing on getting your information. We are not, you know, making the plan yet. I'm not even telling you to go and start contributing yet to your retirement account. I just want you to have the information, right? So this, you know, this episode is really for those who are just like, I have no idea where to start. (laughs) This is where you can start, but I wanted to throw retirement in here because like I said, you want to make sure that you're thinking about your future self. All right, last and final step. Step number five 
is to go ahead and create those financial goals. So now, by now, you should have a good idea of, you know, your past situation as far as, you know, the debt, your current situation, you know, the expenses and the income, your retirement plan. You have a good idea of how your financial status is right now. So now that you know where you are, you can create goals to where you want to go. And, you know, you can create SMART goals, you know, if you're in OT, PT, SLP, I'm pretty sure we all do SMART goals, you can create a SMART goal, but it doesn't even have to be like super, you know, I don't know, super detailed right now. Just make a goal, right? Like I want to pay off my student loans in the next five years. You know, you don't have to say exactly how much you're going to put on them or anything like that. Like just have a general idea of some goals that you want for yourself, right? So like, If you're a new grad and you're on the job hunt, my goal is to land a job making at least $70,000 or, you know, my goal is, I mean, this is ambitious, but (laughs) thinking about how much money you want to retire with, like I want to retire with XYZ amount of money when, you know, I'm 65 or maybe I want to retire early. I want to be able to retire when I'm 50 or, you know, 55, whatever. So, and then also creating like fun goals. So like I want to be able to go on at least one vacation every year or I want to be able to get a facial every month or treat myself to a massage or I want to redecorate my bedroom like you can have goals that are fun but that you need money for and I still consider that part of the financial goals and honestly it's important to have those goals because this journey this getting your finances on track I mean this is a lifelong journey. So it's important to just have things that you look forward to and that you're using money to do things and to have experiences that bring you joy. Like I am a firm believer of that. No matter how much student loan debt you're in, like you should still have fun. And I'm pretty sure, okay, yes, I definitely did an episode on that. So if you haven't already checked out that episode, definitely go back and listen to that one because it's a good one. All right, friend, would you believe me if I told you that roughly three years ago, I really didn't know any of what I just told you. It's true though. If you're listening to this and you know, you genuinely have a desire to finally figure out this money thing, but you don't know where to start. I want you to know I've been there. I've been in your shoes. I've been exactly where you are. And the thing is I was there not that long ago either, but Honestly, this is exactly why I do this. I mean, it's not easy by any means (laughs) sharing all of the mistakes, you know, that I've made along the way, but I've learned from them and, you know, now I share so that you can, or my hope, (laughs) it's my hope and my prayer that you can learn from them too. My mission really is to ease this transition from student to practitioner by helping you implement very clear and very actionable steps that aren't, you know, too big or too scary when it comes to money management. Having a good handle on your money can and does significantly improve the quality of your life. I am a firm believer of that. And I'm not saying it'll necessarily make life, you know, a million times easier (laughs) because money isn't everything. But I can say that it will ease some of the stress associated with finances that so many people in our society experience. I mean, imagine being able to enjoy 
guilt-free shopping and, you know, spending money on the things that bring you joy and not stressing about if you can afford your avocado toast, if that's your thing, (laughs) or worrying when the check comes after that bottomless mimosa brunch with friends. I've been there. And that's what having a healthy relationship with your money can give you. And it just starts with getting started. If I can do it, you can do it. I promise. So make a plan, commit to doing the work, and watch how your life suddenly begins to shift. And just remember to take it one step, or I guess I should say one dollar at a time. Hey friend, before you go, there's a few things I want to remind you about. Make sure you're subscribed to the show so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you heard, please take a few moments to leave a review. They seriously make my heart happy. Lastly, don't forget to check the show notes for additional resources, links, and maybe even some freebies. All right, that's all I've got. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I'll catch you in the next one. And as always, don't forget to make it a marvelous day.